The Time Trap. This was written by Joyce Perry. You may or may not recognize them from having only written one thing ever. This episode. <laughs> in in Star Trek, of course. The, the trend just keeps going. It just keeps being a thing. So they go into the Delta Triangle, which of course naturally and very dangerously leads them through the Michael Bay sector. I'm not even sure exactly how they survived that, but they do manage to get through it. And then we see the Klingons. one on Funny fact, unless my counting is wrong, which it entirely might be, this is the last we see of the Klingons until Star Trek, the motion picture. Which also means this is kind of the last we see of the the smooth forehead thing. Not counting the asterisks over an Enterprise, obviously, season four of Enterprise. But they're done, they're gone. It's kind of clever. You destroy a ship at a place that's known to be navigationally hazardous, where ships disappear regularly. And that way, ah, oh, we can just get away with destroying a ship without, you know, provoking straight-up war. It also makes sense that Kor would particularly be in- interested in this since, you know, he's got that grudge against Kirk because he's well, he's kind of a dick. <clears throat> now, I'm going to go ahead and mention something really quick. So I'm watching this episode, and I'm like, man, the music is just much better. This is really banging. What did the... Is that Kingdom Hearts music? So I'd accidentally left my music playing. And I I almost always have music playing in my head. I do write this for a second, for example. So at a, at a certain point, especially when I'm focusing and concentrating on other things, I'm not really paying attention to the music. It's more like it's just kind of there. So I didn't really cognate that I was listening to Kingdom Hearts battle music, specifically, as they're having the big action sequences. It is Funny how much it improved the scenes, though. I invite you to try a similar experiment with your particular favorite battle music from whatever game or soundtrack that you prefer. Either way, they get through and they see the fleet shot. Let me go ahead and say some praise for that. Speaking, again, as someone who's been doing animation, especially recently, it's really funny how much work and effort we'll put into 11 seconds. You know what I mean? I mean, we all know that to some extent or another, but I mean, sitting down and thinking, okay... Well, in order for this scene, I need to have, let's just use the episode's direct example. I need a long shot of a whole flotilla of ships. Oh, God. So that means I need to design each of the ships. Then I need to sketch them, get the color set up for them. It's going to take forever. It needs to be a larger shot. And and that's just so much work and effort for that. Now, they do reuse the fleet shot several times. So they got their money out of it, so to speak. But still, (laughs) you feel for the animators, you know. Either way... So we find the Bonaventure is here, the first ship to ever have warp drive. Suck it, NX-01. And I, I know the NX-01 wasn't the first ship with drive, warp drive either. Suck it, NX program? This doesn't necessarily break continuity, actually. I just think it's a funny way to kind of poke fun at Enterprise. I like to poke fun at Enterprise. I love, speaking of poking fun at things, you ever notice how they really like to do the super close-ups in the show? I'm not going to do it because it would involve me pushing my head face about three inches from the camera. And that camera's like four or five feet away, so that would take, that would take some work and effort, you know. I, I can't even reach you. But it would, uh, they'd love to do that kind of shot. And then they go, huh? <laughs> just, just weird little moments like that. 
So we go down and we see Gorn and Dorian's no noses, all my favorite races from Trek. We even see the plant people from a few episodes ago. They're just kind of hanging out. Which, if you remember how long ago their society died, well, <clears throat> anyways, so we see, so, so this is the void. This is the Voyager's episode, The Void. Except inverted. In The Void, it was like a survival game. You get in there, and, you know, it's like, well... <sighs> everyone, and for themselves, there's only so many resources, and those resources only come in from a new source, you know, other ships coming in. And Actually, that sounds like a really cool idea for a survival game, now that I'm saying it out loud. You know, you have to keep going, and there'd have to be some kind of progression, some kind of goal, rather than just continuing surviving. There'd probably be an eternal mode where you can just see how long you can make it. But, you know, there would be some kind of end goal or paths you can pick in order to progress. But the only way you can get... There's, like, finite resources, and that's it. And the only new resources that are generated are the ones that come in from outside. That's kind of a cool idea. But anyways, anyways, it's actually one of my favorite Voyager episodes, believe it or not, and a very cool concept. Here... It's kind of the inverse of that, because rather than this predatory survival thing, it's more like a dating sim, or a puzzle game if you prefer, where it's like, okay, well, we're stuck here, but we must all have peace, we must love one another, I'm I'm caught up in the moment, my Klingon friends. (laughs) I'm sorry. The, uh, how do they get resources here? They have psychics which are the people who disable their weapons, even on a ship-wide scale, so those are some damned strong psychics. But how do they get resources? They age, but really slowly, because time is smeared, even though they wouldn't relatively be noticing the time being smeared, so that doesn't make any sense. But let's just ignore that for a moment. They're aging a slowdown. Okay, cool, I can accept that. Does that mean they don't need to eat or drink or breathe? I have so many questions. How does this society survive? They consistently repeat, repeatedly show it as like this perfect society of people who live in peace and harmony and, well, they don't explain any of the why or the how. And, well, that's just Trek in a nutshell, isn't it? So let's just go ahead and move on. Curious what you think, though. How do you think they endure? I've already given my answer. I think they just don't need to eat and drink and breathe, at least not really. And since stuff doesn't decay, the resources they had will last them metaphorically centuries. So, you know, there you go. So they technically are preying on new ships coming in. It's just at a much slower rate. And they join us willingly rather than us, you know, pillaging them and conquering them. Stealing their deuterium. Either way. So they're like, okay, we need to get out of here. We find out that they only have four days of power. This is the dumbest part of the plot right here. Of all the things, that that is completely unnecessary. Why add the ticking clock? It doesn't add anything to the episode, and in fact, it even makes no sense that the ship's main power is being drained simply by being here. It prompts all sorts of questions. Is everyone else's power drained? It's also draining in four days, which, considering the stretch thing, means it probably should be going away in like four milliseconds or something. So, what? Maybe it was damage going through the time portal? But again, why doesn't that affect any of the other ships? Why isn't this an issue elsewise? It's unnecessary. Eject it. Moving on. And then... Well... I hate to be that guy, but um, are are these two crews, or rather Spock more specifically, is Spock the first person to come up with the idea to combine ships to get out? Let's ignore the fact that combining ships is something that should be a technological, technical engineering marvel that probably would take a lot longer than four days. 
Let us also ignore that at the end of the episode, they separate in seconds with no need for anything. No, no, no. Let's They just... We're good. We're good. Even for TOS, and even for an animated show, that's stupid. And they even mention how they'll need technical teams and all this expertise and work to tie the ships in together, and it's like... Did you miss your own memo? But again, even if I'm to hand-wave away all the stupidity on display, why has no one else ever thought of this? Are the other ships drained? Could they get out? I, I don't know. What I do know is that Spock acts weird. Now, I'll give the episode some credit on this, because they actually notice. Damn it. Sorry, felt that one coming. Couldn't do much about it. Mm. They see this coming. They they notice the fact that Spock is acting weird. So credit where credit is due. And Spock apparently wanted to confirm that the Klingons were actually going to sabotage... Oh, excuse me. Sabotage them. Really? And so with this in, invasive and horrible... Oh my god, sabotage that's going to be done to them. You know, it's no wonder that Kor is such a dick over in Deep Space Nine. Like, he's more of a nuanced, subtle dick over there. Kind of an elitist prick who effortlessly dismisses Martok because he's the wrong bloodline. But he needs Kirk to get out of here and is so willing to kill him that he arranges for this whole plan just to do it because screw you. Never mind that this whole trap was Kor trying to kill him, too, because screw you. <sighs> sure. Anyways, turns out I uh, actually have had the dis- secret of destruction of the Enterprise this entire time. I do apologize for not mentioning it earlier. It's right here. Now... <sighs> We have to suspend our disbelief a lot, with fiction in general, and with Star Trek in particular. But this, this is going to destroy the Enterprise. And I remind you, this is a series in which Voyager was nearly destroyed by cheese, and I still find this a little bit, huh? <sighs> Whatever. The eject chute is back. Woo. And these ships easily separate. I already kind of mentioned that. And then the ship ends. The episode ends. Boom. We're done. We're done. We're gone. What a weird episode. I I don't even know what to make of this. It feels weirdly paced. And it feels weirdly like it doesn't understand its own points. And it feels weirdly like Roddenberry wrote it. And it it just stops. It doesn't even end. It's like, we have learned this thing. That's okay. That's all that matters. Stars, cut to credits. What? I get what you're going for. But it is very abrupt. And this whole episode sucks. I don't have anything else to add. Or do I? Here's a thought. I, I already asked you, what do you think they're surviving? How they're surviving? If you were to try and continue this idea, where would you take it? Like, let's, let's assume that you are being tasked to write a sequel to this. You can be as detailed as you want. Or as brief as you want. But what kind of work would you do in the wake of this? We now know the triangle. We know how to get in. We know how to get out. All we need to do now is determine what we're going to do about it going forward, because there's people in there just hanging out. Do we send communications team? Is there a rescue attempt? Do we invade paradise? You get the idea. Looking forward to your thoughts, as ever. Sorry about the sneezes. I'll see you next time.